And um, I mentioned to you previously, if you had a chance to read through the Song of Solomon or the, or the, the Song of Songs, and um, I have to tell you, I had to work my nerve up. I've been working my nerve up for quite a while because if you can imagine, if you've read the book before, which I hope you have, um, there are some love scenes in there that are pretty graphic. And to stand up here and to teach through those passages in front of my children and my mother, okay? <laughs> Can you imagine the pressure that's on me right now? Because this book will make you blush, okay? If you just read it sometime, it'll make you blush. And it's God's Word. That's the cool thing about it. Um, this is something that God wants us to read. And, and the context is that it's, it's actually a love story. It was written probably around the year 900 and something B.C., maybe about 1,000 years before Jesus was, was born. And um, over the thousands of years since it was written... It's been interpreted through basically two different viewpoints. And if you read through the commentaries of the church fathers, which, you know, you've got to be kind of a church nerd like me to do that kind of thing, you can see that over time they would go to one perspective and they would rush to the other perspective and, the, the, and, and go back and forth. And, and um, so the perspectives one, the first perspective is that, is that it's an allegory. It's, it's a picture of God's love for the nation of Israel or a picture of, God, of, of Christ's love for his bride, the church. That's, and that's legitimate. It's, it's, it, I think that's accurate. And the second way to view the book is at face value. This is the, the love story between a man and a woman. And um, I think both of those perspectives are God's intention. I think they're both correct, and they both have application. And uh, for this series, we're going to use the lens, the second, the second lens that I talked about, the love between a man and a woman. Now, um, I, we're going to see this couple as they passionately pursue each other, honor each other, cherish each other, and value each other. And I want to say to you right now, if you're not married, this series doesn't somehow exclude you. This is also a picture of what love ought to be in your life between you and whoever relationship you're in and certainly the way the Lord feels about you. And if you're not married, but you know people who are married, then times will come when the Lord gives you opportunity to become an influence of godliness in their lives. There's lots of application here. Um, It's not just the most obvious one. So please don't close out your mind. Now, I I would say also that this book has, has influenced me. I mean, it's, it has influenced the foundations, really, of, in many ways, my relationship with my wife, Lisa. And um, I, I think the book can empower people to pursue um, the right kind of relationships and strengthen marriages. Now, there, there, I'm going to tell you where we're going to go, and I want to say here's, there's five weeks in the series. It's going to take me six weeks because there's going to be one week where um, I'm not going to be here. But other than that, I'm not telling you which one. And I'm not telling you which one is going to be, I'm not going to tell you which one or any of them are, so these may or may not be in order, okay? The second week in this, we're going to talk about pursuit. How do you pursue someone in ways that honor God? I mean, how, how do we continue, if you're married, how do you continue to pursue your mate in ways that will strengthen your marriage? Pursuit will be one week. Another one, we will spend a week talking about the gift of lovemaking. That one will be PG. I will mention that morning that it's PG, and you may or may not want your children in here. I don't want my kids here, but I don't have any choice. They're adults now. So um, anyway, the, 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 one, the, the fourth week in, in the process, this couple kind of gets into a tussle. They get into a little bit of a fight. And so we'll take a look at some tools to help us work through conflict, which will be helpful in any relationship. And then uh, the last week, we'll talk about how to build a foundation uh, based upon the covenant. Pretty important concept. And it helps. It, I believe that will help cu- couples not to 
only have a marriage that lasts, but to have one that thrives, to have one that um, honors God. So, but today, uh, we're going to talk about attraction. And uh, what are the questions, or the qualities, excuse me, that you want to build within so that you attract the right kind of person? And what kind of qualities is it that you should find yourself attracted to, 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 to become a good spouse. I mean, if you're married, you continually want to build these qualities and, and strengthen your relationship. Now, today, you know, things are different today than when I met my wife and we courted. I mean, there are now there are ways of finding people that didn't exist, online dating. And I mean, I, I, have, I know people now who have met and married through online dating, which was an inconceivable concept, I think, when we grew up. It's like, you know, the only idea of meeting somebody um, would be like mail order. And that was kind of like in the movies or something. It was like, okay. <laughs> and the thing about online dating, I, it's very common now. And um, it's, it's very frequent. Maybe some of you here have married someone that you met online. I'm, and I would just say this, that um, not everything you read in an online listing is going to be true. Okay, just going to tell you that right now because people have a tendency sometimes when they're online to stretch things a bit. So I want to give you a little bit of insight about that just to kind of help you out. You know, if if you are looking at a listing and a woman says she's forty-ish, that means she's forty-nine and a half. And if you see a guy, he says he's forty-ish, that means he's fifty-two and he's looking for a twenty-five-year-old. Look out. Okay, all right. Okay, so if 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 you see a listing and the guy says he's huggable. That means he probably is carrying a few extra pounds and he has enough hair more than Bigfoot or something. I don't know. Um, If she says she's romantic, that means she probably looks better by candlelight. (laughs) Just saying. If he says he's really laid back and close to his family, what that means is he still lives at home. He doesn't have a job and he hopes you have money, okay? If she says she's bubbly and fun, that probably means she never stops talking. (laughs) If she says she's an independent woman, that means she has some control issues, she's going to dominate the relationship, and you will like it. (laughs) If he says he's average looking, that means he fell out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down. (laughs) Okay. That's terrible. <laughs> it's funny though how people will sometimes represent themselves. And now in the Song of Solomon, we're going to see some actual qualities though that should attract us and qualities uh, qualities that we should want to build within our own lives. And so I want to get right into this. Let's start the Song of Solomon chapter 1. I want to pray. Lord, um there are things in this passage that are just spectacularly beautiful. Help us to see them, Lord. Speak to us through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think the first thing we're going to see at the very beginning, the first and by far the most important um, thing we're going to find to to look for in a person is is godly character. We're going to look for people with godly character. Now, understand, as we look at this, this book... Um, depending on the translation you're looking at, there are, there are several voices in this passage. There is the Shulamite woman, 
which is a woman from Shulam, okay, a Shulamite woman. And then there is the beloved who is the man in this, this conversation. And then there are, at times, her friends are speaking, at times his friends are speaking, or her brothers are speaking. So there are lots of different voices. And so some translations actually tell you whose voice is coming next, and that's helpful. So um, I've, I've, I've included it in some of the scriptures that I'll put on the wall. So here we go, song, uh, songs, Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 2. She says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. She says, Your name is like perfume poured out. To them, perfume would have been very rare. It would have been really, really expensive, um, a form of a purified oil. And what was also very rare, maybe even more rare than perfume, was, was to take a bath. It just was not a common practice. And so perfumed oil was considered very, very valuable because, not just because it was, you know, rare and costly, but because, you know, it would help you be more presentable if you didn't have the opportunity to take a bath. I mean, and so when she says, your name is like this rare, expensive, purified oil, she's saying basically, your name, you have godly character. You have you know, godly character. Now, character and reputation are not the same thing. Don't you agree? I mean, it's, uh, reputation is who others think you are. Character is who you actually are. We get those distinction. Reputation is who other people think you are. And character is who you actually, actually are. And, uh, um, and so the, she's saying, it's no wonder the other women love you. It's no wonder. Notice it's not because he's a hottie with a body, okay? I mean, it's not because of that. It's because his name was good. His character was solid. He's known as somebody who loved God. He's known as somebody who is seeking after God. The very first quality that gets mentioned in his whole, his whole book is his character. Your name is like purified oil. The very first thing that should attract us is godly character. The bottom line basically is this. If you want a godly marriage one day, live a godly life today. That's where you start. You start with godly character. You know, and I know some of some of you might say, well, okay, I mean if you're if you're not married right now and, and you're kind of available, but um, not right and, and, and you maybe say, you know, I want a Christian guy, but the problem is the guys that seem, you know, attracted to me, are the wrong kind of guys. They all only have their mind on one thing. And if that's true, I just want to say very respectfully, really respectfully, if you don't like the kind of fish that you're catching, take a look at the kind of bait that you're using. Okay? I mean, I, I'm, it's more than one time. I'm, I'm kind of joking, but not really joking, because if the only place that you're looking for a guy is in the bar where you can get your twerk on, whatever that is. <laughs> you know, you need to take a look at what, where, where you're fishing and what kind of bait. Here's the deal. If Jesus is, is first in every area of your life, it's going to show up. It's going to show up. It's going to impact the way you dress. It's going to impact the places you go. It's going to impact the people that you hang with. And when you have godly character first and foremost in your life, ungodly people are not going to want you. They're just not going to want you. And I really believe that having a great marriage isn't so much about finding the right person. 
It's about becoming the right person. You seek Jesus. You pursue God. You love Jesus. You become godly. And then you will attract godly people. Andy Stanley, who's a preacher that I listen to and I really admire, he, he, he says it like this. He says, become the person that you're looking for is looking for. It starts with godly character. And I think also, I also think of Matthew 6.33. You know, Scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added. Seek first. It starts with godly character. I'm not pursuing a spouse. I'm pursuing Jesus. And then all these things will be added unto me. Godly character. Second quality we'll see in this relationship is, is, is growing trust. Growing trust. And we're going to watch this couple getting to know each other and, and, and then opening up about their insecurities. And then loving each other through those insecurities to a place where they can trust. And here's, here's what this woman says in verse 5. She says, Dark am I, yet lovely. Daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Now, I need to point out to you right now, this is not about race, okay? But she's talking about her skin being dark. And in today's culture, having a tan is considered attractive, okay? I'm not saying you feel that way. I'm just saying it's kind of a general thing in our culture. And if you're not tanned enough, well, they got a bed for you to go get into and they'll cook you a little bit. And, or, or you can get sprayed if you don't want the rays, okay? I mean, so, I mean, it's considered. But in their culture, things were a little different. A woman was considered attractive if she was very, very fair-skinned. Why? Well, I think it was kind of a class thing a little bit. Like, if you um, had servants that would go out there and do the work, and you always stayed in the shade and took care of yourself with oils and ointments, ointments, <laughs> then you were considered more beautiful. Fair skin was considered. And, um, and so she's saying, my skin is dark. And so she says to him in verse 6, she says, do not stare at me because I'm dark. Because I'm darkened by the sun. She's saying, I'm sunburned. And I'm insecure about it. Don't look at me. And then she explains why. She says, my mother's sons, these are her brothers, were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. I had to work hard out there in the sun. My own vineyard, now she's talking about her own body and her own skin. My own body, I had to neglect. She's saying, don't stare at me. I don't like my skin. I feel vulnerable. I don't like the way I look. And she's showing her insecurities to this guy. And we're going to watch as this, this man loves her insecurities right out of her. When you become attracted to somebody, when, when you're in a relationship that's starting to grow and you're spending time with them, eventually you're going to get to a place where you want to know, are we growing in our trust with each other? And one of the ways that you'll know that trust is growing is that you'll start to open up with each other about things that are tender about your insecurities. And typically, the first topics that will come up maybe will be the physical ones because I think, you know, you, 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 everybody's got physical flaws. I mean, everybody has something they don't like about themselves, you know. And then that's easy. And then it can move on to um, emotional securities. I mean, all of us, though, will start typically with physical. We don't like something about our body. I'm, I'm a little bit heavy. I've got bird legs. You know, my ears are too big, my hair's falling out, you know, whatever it is. And, and, you know, maybe in the third grade, 
Somebody said to you, you got a funny nose. Some kid made this comment. And from then on, you've always kind of avoided maybe eye contact with people because you've been a little insecure about the fact that you think maybe your nose isn't what it's supposed to be. And then one day you meet the girl and you're in a relationship with her and you're thinking, oh, she could be the one. But she's probably thinking, I really like this guy, but I can't marry him because our kids would get his nose. (laughs) We think that way. We do. (laughs) But over time, maybe trust starts to build. And you want to see that. That's the healthy thing. And And you say, does it bother you that my nose is this big? I'm kind of insecure about it. And she looks at you and she says, no. Not at all. She reaches up and puts her hand on there and touches it. I like your nose. That's a strong, sexy nose. (laughs) And something will change in you. Now, you can walk with your nose high. Because it's a strong, sexy nose. Can I say sexy nose in church? (laughs) I just did. And, And from, you know, what's going on there is she's loving you through your insecurity. And maybe you have come to a place in a relationship where after you've built up some trust, she says, you know, I just don't know if I can trust you because all guys lie. All guys cheat. And you hear those words and something in your chest wells up and you say, you know what? If it takes me my whole life, I'm going to love you through that insecurity because I'm going to prove to you that not all guys lie, that not all guys cheat. In fact, this guy's not going to. And, and then many of you who have decades of marriage will attest to the fact that, yeah, that's true. Not all guys do that, and, and some of us are different. Some of us will love. Some of us will cherish, will honor, will value, will lay our lives down. And our marriage is strong now because... You chose to love her, right through, or him, right through those insecurities. When somebody reveals those insecurities, if they end up feeling worse afterwards, that's not a good thing. That's going the wrong direction. You want them to feel better. You want increasing trust. Godly character, growing trust. The third quality you want to look for is higher standards. Higher standards. Okay, buckle your seatbelts for this next section. I mean, watches this woman, and she, what she says, and she's so powerful. It's powerful here. Verse 7, she says, tell me, who, tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday, why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? Now, this veiled woman, a veiled woman was known basically as a woman who would give themselves up for a price. And, and she's saying, I'm not going to be like that. You need to understand, other women may do some things like that, but there are some things I will not do to get the attention of a man. She's got higher standards. She's got different standards. Now, what I'm going to say to you now may seem really archaic, okay? And you'll think, you know, Terry, okay, I'm not surprised, but get past this. You know, because have you looked at your calendar? This is 2015. But what I'm going to talk to you about, I'm going to tell it to you straight, and I'm not going to hold back. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to hold back. When it comes to sexual relationships, 
God established very clearly that that is for the marriage. That's reserved for marriage. Others, you know, may have sex when they're dating, but people have a choice to make. And there are basically two options available to every one of us. First choice is that you can honor God together. You can say, you know what? God has standards. I've got urges, but there are bigger issues here, um, and they're reserved for marriage. Other people are going to make fun of us. They may say this is stupid. They may think it's ridiculous. But we're going to choose to live our lives with some higher standards, and we're going to honor God together. That's one option. Second option is this, to choose to sin together. Those are the options. You honor God together or you choose to sin together. You honor God together or you choose to sin together, and that's it. And why is this important? Why are you hammering on this, Terry? Because you are building the foundation for the future with this person. You are building by your character what tomorrow will be. And so if you choose to sin together, if you choose to compromise together, you are sowing seeds of compromise in character in that relationship. And what you, what you sow there, you take with you into that relationship in the future. You know, it's an odd, odd thing when you see or hear about... Now, I, I'm not picking on a gender here, but I'll just give this obvious example. It's an odd thing when you'll see a story of a woman having an affair with a married man, and she's thinking... He's going to leave his wife and be with me. But once he's with me, he's going to be faithful. The character is right there. You see exactly what you're getting yourself into. You see exactly what you're choosing, but we choose to do this about it. That's why it's so important to set those kinds of standards. That's why it's so important to say, this, this will be the man who will shape the character of our children. This will be the woman who will shape the character of our children. This, this is the person who will influence our relationship. That's why you make those hard decisions. And, you know, you can choose to be different. And I understand what I'm saying in our culture is extreme. I get that. But here it is. If you want what everybody else has, do what everybody else is doing. But, frankly, I look around, I don't want what everybody else has. So, I'm going to, by the grace of God, do some things that other people will not do. And I just want to say, you know, right now, and I'm going to move off of this because I think we've been there long enough. What's really obvious, I know there are people in here thinking, you know, well, don't I feel awkward because, you know, we haven't really done all that well on this topic. In fact, we've kind of failed this. I want to say you can't go backwards and fix this. You cannot go in the past and fix this if you've failed here. But I want to point out to you Romans 8.1. God is so loving where he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk according to the Spirit. No condemnation. So we're not here to kind of you know beat anybody up and hammer about the past. I, I just and I know this, I've heard some some legitimate and meaningful stories about couples who have just got to a place where they've gone to each other and to God and said, you know what? You know, after fifteen years, this we made some mistakes and we've paid some price for it and I just want to purge all that and and we need to ask God and each other, honey, forgive me. You know, things like 
I've heard of husbands apologizing to their wives, saying, you know, if I understood what I know now, um, I wouldn't have let that happen, and I need to ask you to forgive me. And whatever you do, don't let the past weigh you down on this because you can't change it. But what we can do, though, is move, to move forward and say, you know what, in every area of our lives, we're going to have higher standards. So godly character, growing tr- trust, higher standards, and four, we see consistent encouragement here. And this is really awesome, what's going on here. Remember, she's insecure about her skin. So she says, okay, so, so what does he say? He says, verse 9, I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Okay, so she's got dark skin. He calls her a horse. (laughs) I suppose this needs a little bit of an explanation, okay? Their horse in this culture, this, this, uh, the, 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 Pharaoh's chariot horses would have been the perfect white horses. Okay, so there's an indication there as he doesn't see her as, as, as an alligator, a darkened alligator. He doesn't see whatever is going on in her skin that she sees way worse than it really is. He sees her as beautiful. He sees her as this perfect, most desirable, highest, most honored horse. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Now, horse does, does, still doesn't translate that well, but you get the point in their culture, this was a big compliment. He's saying, you know what? You are the most perfect singular, most beautiful, above everything else in the land. Exactly everything about you is how I would want it. He's saying, basically, you're it. And he's really, really encouraging her. Now, sometimes I see couples that are dating, or maybe in the first few years of their marriage, and I look back at our first few years of marriage, and I think of the times that I got myself in trouble, trying to be cute or funny, you know, and um, I mean, I see, I, I'll see a woman who feels bad or incur, uh, insecure about herself, maybe, and the guy's making jokes at her expense, and he's literally digging underneath her foundation. And, and, or I, I see a guy who feels inadequate, and she's telling him all his faults. And I, I want to say, don't do that. Don't go there, you know. <laughs> Ladies, guys, you know, we both need to learn to encourage and build each other up in the things of God. Proverbs 14.1 says, The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her own hands. And there are times, you know, I can look back in my life where I had to, something pretty scary facing me and my future was really scary. And I mean, at least once, at least once, Lisa has said to me something that says, listen, you, you're called by God. You have, you know, you're called and you're supposed to be doing certain things and I don't care where or how we live. All I care about is being with you. When she said things like that to me, I was like, oh, you are so mine. <clears throat> Man. I mean, we can live in a tent. We won't need a fire. We're going to have enough warmth from our own fire of love. You know? <laughs> but she said exactly <laughs> that was. She said exactly the kinds of things that I needed to hear. You know, most guys, we can take all kinds of failure in life. But if the one we love, and this is true of women too, the one we love believes in us, will stand with us. The storms can come. It's so important to have consistent encouragement. And this is how he encourages her. In verse 15, he says, 
How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. And she says, how handsome you are, my beloved. Now, finally, after all these other discussions, they're now starting to talk about physical looks. But notice that this is way down their list. Do you catch this? I mean, it's, where did they start? They started with character. And, and, and now after several verses, they're talking about physical attributes, you know, which are important. But, but, but here's some pretty cool news for, for us guys. I mean, when you lay down your life for her, to love her, to serve her, to cherish her, to value her, suddenly, somehow, you become better looking to her. You do. I mean, it's a fact. Believe me. How do you think a guy like me can end up with a woman like that, right? (laughs) I mean, when you love a woman, she was created by God. When you love her, she was created by God to love you back. (laughs) And, And that'll happen in ways that you could never have imagined. When you cherish her, when you value her, when you nurture relationship, when you lead her closer to Christ, you're going to be more blessed than you ever knew. And then you'll get this response. So, so how, how does she respond to his love? Well, what are the, what's the result? There's two ways. I'm going to see what her response is. The first one is she feels special. Here's what she says in chapter 2, verse 1. She says, I'm a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Noticing that she is using singular terms you know, you make me feel like the most special woman on earth. And then he says, you know, you're right, sweetie. He says, he says verse 2, like a lily among thorns, singular, is my darling among the young women. They're just a bunch of thorns. These other women? But you're the flower. That's what he's saying to her. You are the most important, most special person around. Notice in chapter 1, she feels insecure And now we get to chapter 2. She feels special because he loves her through those insecurities. He adored her. He cherished her. He valued her, and she felt special. Second thing she felt is she feels secure. Guys, this is one of the greatest gifts you can give to your woman, the gift of security, that she always feels safe in your presence. Verse 3, the Shulamite woman, she says, Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. Now catch this. Catch what she says. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. I delight to sit in his shade. Remember what she was concerned about? Her skin, the effect of sun. I feel safe in his shade. I'm protected from the things that harm me. She feels safe and she feels secure because of him. And guys, I, I believe, you know, we're wrapping up here. I believe that this is your calling in her life. And you accomplish this, helping her feel secure by three things. You are her pastor, you are the provider, and you are the protector of your bride. The pastor, the provider, and the protector. The pastor, spiritually, you set the tone, guys. You lead her close to Christ. You pray over meals. You bring her to church. You lead spiritually. You, you, you bring your kids to church. A stay-at-home family doesn't raise go-to-church kids. Guys, you make the house of God your priority. Gentlemen, you set the standard here. 
You lead her closer to God. You're the pastor of your family. Second thing is, you are the provider. It doesn't mean that she doesn't make money, and maybe she makes more money than you, but you set the tone. You know, you set the tone. We're a tithing family. We believe that God owns all this, and he's the provider anyway, and so the first 10%, we are going to teach our children to trust in God with their money. And I'm not telling you this because the church is hurting. We are healthy here. I'm just telling you guys, you have to teach your children these things. The world won't teach them this. The world will teach them selfishness, faithlessness. And by the way, guys, if you want to see a weary woman, take the things that the Lord had intended to rest on your frame and put them on hers. You let her be responsible to pay the bills. I mean, I mean, that, was, that weight was never intended by the Lord to rest on her shoulders. Take that burden off her and she's going to love you in ways that you just can't imagine. Number three, you're her protector. Now, if you're typical, God made you a little bit bigger and physically stronger than her. So, you know, that's, okay, it means the obvious. But listen, this is not just physical protection. Anybody can do that. You can lay your life down one time for somebody. I mean, you can do it. It's, I'm talking about where you protect her heart daily, daily. You're her protector. You say, I'm never going to let you get hurt around me. I'm going to guard your heart. I'm going to love you with a purity of my own mind. I'm not going to let something happen to you to hurt you. With me, you're going to be safe. Pastor, provider, protector, where she feels special and secure and honored and safe. What happens when she feels this way? (laughs) Verse 5, she says, Strengthen me with raisins. Raisins? What's the deal with raisins? Strengthen me with raisins. Okay, here's the context. They believed in this culture. Might be true, I don't know. Raisins to be an aphrodisiac. She's saying to this guy, now she feels loved through her insecurity. She feels protected, secure, provided, all that pastor. She feels all those things. She says to him, hey, strengthen me with an aphrodisiac. Refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. That's as far as I'm going to take that picture. (laughs) But it's a great picture. So here's godly character, growing trust, higher standards, and consistent encouragement. And she feels special and safe. And she wants to give herself to him because... He has given himself to her first. That's what it means when Scripture says, guys, to love your wife as Christ loves the church and laid his life down for it. If we don't want what everybody else has, we're going to have to do some things that other people will not do. Then our marriages are going to be a testimony to the love of Christ. The God who loved us and gave us his son Jesus who came and died for my sin and for yours because we're his bride. Let's pray. Lord, um, I'm just grateful for the beauty and the poetry of this book and for what's hidden there.